0: Welcome to the Golden Shadow. My name is Alyssa Palizzi.
1: And I am Aaron Rogerson.
0: Next week, Jungian analyst Dr. John Beebe will be joining us as our guest for the Shadow Play Speaker Series at the STOA. Dr. Beebe is well known for his work in Jungian typology, expanding the theory to include a personality model that explores all eight functions of consciousness and archetypal associations for each of them.
1: Yeah, so normally we think of personality types um, like the MBTI uh, with four functions, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like the INFJ or the ESFP, mm-hmm. um, usually there's four functions. His eight function model, um, adds the four functions that are missing. Yeah. From where, the MBTI. where are
0: those four other ones? Right.
1: <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, then we're, we're going to get into it a little bit with this, this episode, but he has an eight function model that has four conscious functions that the right try to phrase it or yeah superior functions functions um, that are on top yeah there's yeah.
0: like the classic four that you'll see arranged mm-hmm. in like the profiles uh, of MBTI um, they call those like ego syntonic so those that we associate with even the ones that are at the lowest or feel mm-hmm. most inferior still feel like us okay in synchronous in it's synchronous to our being mm-hmm. but then there's four other functions. And the big question that I think a lot of people in the typology community is, do we interact with those four? Some people pay attention to them, some don't. And BB, with his work over decades, really, of being an analyst and having a clinical practice, recognize that those four other missing functions seem to also be within conscious uh, grasp, yet ultimately are deeply in shadow
1: Right, and he also associates uh, an archetype with each of the eight functions, yeah, right? And yeah. So, like, the superior function is the hero.
0: Mm-hmm, or the heroine.
1: The secondary function or auxiliary function is, like, the good parent. Yeah, like
0: mother or father.
1: And then it's... The Puerh,
0: or Puella, the child, eternal child, yeah. the third, and then the inferior functions carried by the anima or the animus. Right. So the idea is, especially from a Jungian point of view, is that... Reality is shaped by archetypal structures. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't our conscious functions and unconscious functions also be uh, riding that same archetypal wave? And as he began to recognize these patterns, he saw that they carried um, a certain energy to them. like an individual's dominant or inferior function always carries that sense of a lot of confidence, of rushing into battle, of feeling like they know how to handle things. It has that heroic, open, courageous attitude. And so he applied that archetype of the hero to the inferior or to the superior function, excuse me. And he did that for all eight of them. So it's a really interesting model that expands and really looks at consciousness holistically compared to say Myers-Briggs, which is just looking at four functions and even then is sort of focusing on maybe observable behaviors and not so much about development of one's um, conscious potential.
1: Yeah. So Dr. Beebe will be coming to the STOA where he will speak with us. That's going to be Wednesday, February 24th mm-hmm. at 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can RSVP at the STOA ca It's a free event, and so this episode in preparation for talking to Doctor. BB, we're going to try and round out the typology mm-hmm. episodes. So we've yeah. already done thinking and feeling,
0: yeah, episode three,
1: and we did
0: introversion, extroversion.
1: right? Episode couldn't remember
0: fifteen, <laughs>
1: and now we are going to attempt to discuss sensing versus intuition
0: yeah this is the last axis of the typological structure and this one is often called the perceiving axis or from classic Jungian literature the irrational axis and you know depending on how you look at it um, you know this is just an additional axis of how we orient to reality some say it's how we perceive or take in information um but it has a distinctly different dynamic and energy compared to thinking and feeling and sensation and intuition exist as opposing opposites you might say they're different yeah. poles on this axis and so they're both interrelated they balance each other out yet at the same time they oppose each other
1: right so it's a dichotomy and we use dichotomies like crazy because it's how we can frame reality and make sense of it right mm-hmm. dualisms are always reductive because nothing is ever just two things, but we use dualisms to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And so they're very useful, even if they're not exhaustive. So sensing and intuition is a dualism, yeah. but it's not just one or the other.
2: True. There's
1: mm-hmm. lots of room in between these two extremes mm-hmm. and the two extremes them- themselves are even hard to really nail down yeah. as far as this is obviously sensing or this is obviously intuition. We can Really isolate those concepts and yeah. make sense to them. It's like eh, this is still like, it's still very weird territory. Yes, yes. And it's uh, it's something that OS and I have talked a lot about as far as as far as topics that we've covered in the podcast. Typology is something that we've discussed quite a bit. Yeah, and we still argue a lot about the definitions, uh, mm-hmm. what the words mean. Uh, I'm always trying to kind of fit typology into my own framework of philosophy and psychology and. Sometimes I feel like it doesn't fit very well, so mm-hmm. it's hard for us to come to an agreement sometimes about what we mean by sensing and what we mean by intuition, but hopefully yeah. this episode will be aimed at fleshing that out a little bit yeah. live <laughs> on air, and maybe it'll devolve into an argument. Maybe we'll actually discover some things that we didn't realize previously yeah. due to this conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if we've said this on any of the typology episodes, maybe a bit on extroversion or introversion, but it's important to keep in mind that we have all of the functions, not even as we look at Dr. Beebe's model, which allows us to recognize all eight functions at play, but even within the more limited models like MBTI, You're within consciousness of what you can really establish and cultivate. You have access to thinking, feeling, sensation, and intuition. It's just your order of preferences is different. Mm -hmm. So you're never just going to fully relate to being only a sensation type or only a thinking type. And if you think about it extremely simplistically like that, you will likely find yourself confused and constantly questioning, what's my type? Because I feel like this or I feel like that. The reality is we use all of the functions and there's going to be an order, a hierarchy that your natural orientation to the world dictates how you pull those functions out of the unconscious. So you might prefer to have sensation at the top, which will naturally uh, sort of suppress the intuitive function, but you also intuit. So don't get caught in that trap of thinking that you have to only relate to one or the other.
1: Right. There's also a nature-nurture interaction here. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's hard to pin this down, of course, but like you probably were born a certain type mm-hmm. in some regards. It's kind of strange to think about because we develop as we grow and we kind of become the people that we're meant to be yes. over time. We're yes. not born exactly the person that we're meant to oh, be. Oh, but
0: the blueprint is there. But the blueprint's there. Yes.
1: And we have to factor in that there is... Interaction with that blueprint from experience. So even if you are born in INTJ, for instance, it's possible that you might have certain functions that are deflated Mm
2: -hmm. for whatever Mm -hmm. reason,
1: maybe you are traumatized. Maybe you're not around people who really, um, encourage that function or vice versa. Maybe you're in a family that really, really encourages thinking. Mm -hmm. They really want you to be a thinker and be rational. Yes. They, are really into STEM and science and Mm -hmm. they might be encouraging a way of interacting in the world that kind of suppresses your more feeling functions. That's possible. And so typology is tough and everyone really, really wants to say like, this is who I am. This is my identity. And they want to look up the, uh, MBTI, uh, you know, charts and it's like, Ooh, Harry Potter. Okay. I am Ron Weasley. Like, uh." Like, you know, people like really (laughs) want to know their identity but yeah. it's important to understand that, like, it really isn't so cut and dry, and that part yes. of part of discussing these ideas, and part of you know taking a test online, if you want to take a test online, it's interesting. It provides mm-hmm. you some insight, and yeah. it might be a, a good head start into yeah. figuring out who are you, what's your type. Yes. But it's important to remember that truly, everyone is very unique.
0: Yes, yes,
1: it's hard to really say that like you are just like every other. INTJ in the world. Yeah. It's like, ugh, no, no, it's no. Tough, Definitely so. not.
0: One has to keep in mind that the types are expressing an a inherent orientation to the world and natural propensity that you have to move towards cer- certain uh, functional tools within your tool belt. But how those are expressed is highly dependent on the person themselves. So you'll never have two types that are truly the same. And that's why type profiles are ultimately kind of useless because... It could totally throw you off, and you might find yourself really questioning what your type is because you looked online at this definition, and then you looked online at another definition, and they're right. and they're all right. confusing, we've, and they're contradicting this, each other. It's like
1: these are very, very different results. Yes,
0: yeah. yes. Um, okay. One other point before we move forward, when Jung started theorizing psychological types, there was a sense that. To truly understand the process of individuation, you had to understand the psychology of consciousness. And Psychological Types was born out of a desire to understand why people orient to the world differently. Why does Adler old psychoanalysts look at neurosis this way? Why does Freud look at neurosis this way? Why do I, Carl Jung, look at it this way? There's these inherent differences that would cause clashes, that would have certain resonance. And that's because everyone's orienting to the world differently. And so if you're looking not just at communicating with others more uh, efficiently, or just uh, in a more balanced way, but also in learning the language of your own psyche, Psychological type starts to lay out that blueprint where you understand why you have that tendency to be motivated to do this, but not something else. So it's all about creating this greater understanding of that blueprint of your mind, but it's not meant to box you in, it's not meant to label you, it's meant to just illuminate what are the kind of moving pieces and also where is there opportunity for further development? How can you encourage that process of individuation by knowing how you work within the world?
1: So quick review, thinking and feeling,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, thinking is sort of uh, orienting oneself um, towards the world of ideas or concepts. Mm -hmm. It's kind of abstracting out of one's needs In order to get a more kind of um, objective view, more zoomed out view, sort of see the world uh, as a place of objects as opposed to a place of of meaning and needs. Mm. Feeling is more orienting oneself towards needs. It can be kind of have like a social orientation as well. It can can involve uh, being concerned about one's own needs, one's own kind of lower drives. But also, other people's sort of lower drives. Like you're more, you might be more concerned as a feeling person with how someone is doing today and you want to take care of them and you want to, you're interested in what you can do to make them feel better. Whereas someone who is thinking towards the same person might be interested in uh, working on a car with that person or taking apart a certain news story and making sense of it or, um, trying to problem solve how they're feeling mm-hmm. rather than just sort of take care of them.
0: Yeah. Or relate to them. Yeah. Thinking is tapping more into that logical framework, looking for accuracy within words and concepts and ideas and really wanting to approach the world through that space while feeling is much more about the values and what feels right to me or what feels right to the group. And so They exist in a type of harmony, but they also oppose each other. Mm -hmm. We went over extroversion and introversion. Yeah. And that's looking at attitudes towards the world, how the functions are further um, altered. So thinking has two versions, extroverted thinking and introverted thinking. (laughs) Extroversion is about really how we relate to the, not just the outer world, but really like energy and behavior and motivation that moves outwards. And mm-hmm. it's about recognizing this very extensive, um, rather than depth, we go for breath. It's really kind of opening and taking in a lot of information rather going extremely deep towards the inner world of introversion where the energy moves inward. So you can kind of think, Of extroversion as flowing outward from the subject, from yourself, out into the world, out out to other people, to Mm -hmm. other systems. And introversion as flowing inward towards oneself.
1: Right. One way that I think is useful to think about extroversion and introversion is like borders. Mm -hmm. If you think of the the self in some sense, the energetic self as having borders, the extroverted person's borders are more open. They're Mm -hmm. more in the flow with what's going on around them. They're more... Uh, open to energy coming from the outside and changing the energy on the inside. So they'll kind of go with the flow more maybe or they're more interested in what's going on in the outside world. Introverted might be the borders are a little more closed. So the energy is a little more self-contained. Mm. It doesn't need to go outside to figure out what's going on. Yes. Less likely to be in the flow of things mm-hmm. and more likely to have like an inner flow that is sort of self-perpetuating. There's more of kind of like a self referential aspect of being introverted where like, um, these sort of patterns being recognized are more inner patterns and then as opposed to patterns that are happening outside of you in the world. So Mm -hmm. again, it's hard to articulate these things, but that's a a general idea Mm -hmm. and we, um, can fit sensing and intuition into that. Um, it's difficult but sensing intuition, I think, is definitely the most difficult one. But uh sensing intuition is in some sense in what way are you sort of perceiving reality? Mm-hmm. And there's sort of the way that I like to think of it is like it's a kind of dichotomy between concreteness, immediacy, mm-hmm. the kind of here and now, or like the presence yeah. of like this is here and now i can feel the things around me they're very concrete and material that's sensing and then intuition as being sort of looking deeper or looking beyond mm-hmm. and seeing the patterns behind the things yeah. and being in the future or being in the past maybe more so than sure. being in the here and now yeah kind of less being present and sort of dreaming mm. or looking over the horizon, yeah. or sort of off in some thought that you're having, yeah. and so we can think of it as kind of, or I like to think of it at least as kind of an immediacy with sensing versus sort of like a a depth or an etherealness or a kind of uh, theoretical. Yes, it's space very abstract. Of. Intuition.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting question is to consider why these two exist on an axis and what's really going on that seem to be oppositional poles. And you could take, for example, someone looking at um, like a tr- a tree trunk or something like that. and sensation being concrete being immediate, Focusing on reality as it is, is going to take in all of the information of the tree trunk itself, the the shape of the bark, the color, the texture of it. Does the tree seem to be thriving because, you know, you can see little ants crawling on it or is it showing like little um, indications of decay or some sort of sickness? Sensation is focusing on that practical, factual information, the colors, the sounds, the smells, Um, often associated with what actually comes through physical stimuli Mm -hmm. and how that kind of grounds us in the present moment or at least in the information that flows from the environment to us. And intuition is saying, yeah, here's a tree trunk, but what inspires, uh, what images come to mind, what possibilities are generated when I see the tree trunk? It might be that you could build a house with it you know it's not paying attention like it knows it's a tree trunk right it's it's taking in that factual information but it's kind of pushing that aside in in service to some sort of image that's been gripped by the individual through that um intuitive function that says what's the possibility for this maybe mm-hmm. this they imagine the tree will grow and um you know flourish bigger and bigger or maybe you see that you could cut it down and create something with it mm-hmm. it's everything that's flowing from the object itself and all of the inherent potential that exists within the item and that becomes ignited in the intuitive when they see really any object person etc yeah
1: so like thinking and feeling to me the like the imagery or the visuals of that is sort of a altitude kind of thing mm. where it's like thinking is kind of high up you're sort of operating from this very high abstract place. Mm -hmm. Feeling is sort of operating from kind of like this lower gut space. Mm -hmm. And sensing and intuition, there's more of kind of like a depth and distance. Yeah. So instead of like up and down, sensing intuition kind of has a sort of horizontal or uh, into Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. Where it's like sensing is a little more close and proximal Mm -hmm. and here. And intuition is a little more deep beyond. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I think of it. I mean, that might might or may not be be useful to someone, but that's that's kind of what I see as the axes here. Yeah. Yeah. How deep are you looking into the world? How much are you perceiving the patterns behind the patterns? Yes. Behind the patterns. (laughs) Um for intuition, how how much are you looking at the potential of things? Mm -hmm. What will be? Yes. What could be? Yes. What what is becoming? Yes. Where sensing is more kind of like what is, yeah, what is. uh, more focused on the facts. Mm-hmm. Like, don't give me any like theory, like yeah. give me the facts. Right. Um, so there's a practicality to sensing yes. versus a kind of, uh, a vision and, uh, I don't want to say curiosity, but, uh, a kind of dreaming that intuition has where it can it is dreaming up things it is dreaming up the world Mm -hmm. whereas sensing is kind of more practical more thinking about what can i touch yeah what can i see in front of me yes i can't touch it and i can't see it right it might as well not exist
0: yes yes that's like extreme sensation but it's helpful sometimes to think in those extremes like sensation doesn't want to even um, entertain these ideas of intuition because there's nothing in reality that says that's true, yeah. but that's why intuition can be so incredibly innovative because the possibilities that an intuitive dreams up are often what shifts markets into totally new directions. It's what grows culture in areas that nobody thought was possible. It inspires um, potentials in individuals mm-hmm. that otherwise might not been considered At the same time, we have to stay grounded in reality because intuition can fly way off the handle and be dancing in this dreamland and never come back down to earth to actually make it happen. And that's why the two have to be in balance or, you know, something like balance.
1: Right. Again, that's why there's sort of a dichotomy is because they balance each other out. Yes, they do. Right. If you go too far in either direction, Mm. you are losing a huge amount of the world and a huge amount of the understanding of the world. Yeah. Um, intuition, I think also can kind of tie into like this more sort of mythological symbolic kind of way of seeing the world. Um, this is kind of abstract, but mythology in some sense is kind of, uh, it's the narrative faculty. It's the story faculty. It's the way in which we sort of simulate what could be Mm -hmm. like when we're watching a movie we're we're watching a modern myth of some kind what it's playing upon, what it's activating within us is a faculty that simulates possible realities. Mm-hmm. If we perceive ourselves as like an avatar that could go in all these different directions in our life, intuition is doing that. It's sort of seeing what could be, mm-hmm. how could I become, mm-hmm. what could become in the, the, the outer world, where might things go? And so simulating the future um, mythology plays on that. Mm. And it tells a story, and we enjoy the story because it's playing upon that simulating function. Yeah, so we can see how the intuitive might have a more kind of mythological, symbolic interaction with the world. They might see things, and all this meaning and story and this vibrant light might be conjured up by seeing an object. And all that is not material, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, what's Mm -hmm. going on behind the object? Yeah, what is the spirit? Of the yes, object, yes. As opposed to the sensing person, who's more—we have to be careful because we don't—we don't, don't want to sound too pejorative with either one. But sensing might have less of a mythological relationship with things, and more of a kind of materialistic saying. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing behind the object. Yeah, it's just an object. Yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing. When you see the cross, when you say the Christian cross, the sensing person might be—it's just it's just two pieces of wood right. slapped together. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. But the intuitive might be like, but can't you see like the ways in which like reality is kind of a cross. It's sort of like an intersection. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the story of Christ is, um, something that gives this so much meaning. And yeah. you can almost picture Christ on the cross, even though it's just two pieces of wood right. and you can begin to understand what are the dichotomies in reality that intersect like mm-hmm. this. Perpendicular intersections within reality. What is the metaphysics of the cross? Like, there's all these things that could be happening with an intuitive. These, these are something like extreme illustrations, yeah, yeah. but you can understand how someone who is doing that of like, whoa, look at all this stuff that's behind the cross. Look at all yeah. these things that are the cross represents. Think of the story behind the cross. You can see how that is powerful, mm-hmm, but it could mm-hmm. also just. Becomes something where it's like snap back to reality. Yes. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like absolutely. you've lost your mind, you were like floating away into the cosmos
0: or reading into things in ways that are just, yeah. you know, you're just floating off right. constantly. Right. And right, sensation brings you back to earth, yeah. and, and it can be extremely powerful because the immediacy of being able to interact with the environment for a sensation individual can make them so attuned that it's like they become one with the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, this is sort of like a typical stereotype, but I think there's a lot of truth to it that sensation individuals are like incredible athletes or really good artists who can like work with certain materials or um, like artists who can actually like replicate things in an extremely lifelike way rather than maybe like a more abstract artist with a weird interpretation. Mm -hmm. So some of like the the probably like most professional athletes are likely highly extroverted sensation types Mm. because their ability to take in the information of the immediate environment makes them so attuned to what's going on that they have incredible instincts, you know, their reflexes, their ability to move around a field to understand what's coming towards them gives them this incredible relationship to the environment and also allows you to stay grounded in a way that you don't move too deep into that intuitive abstraction and that you don't lose yourself in the realm of possibilities or in brainstorm after brainstorm after brainstorm and instead actually get things done, materialize reality.
1: Right, right. There's also just being in touch with your body, being in touch with your sensations. Athletes, they really need to know their body well Mm -hmm. and they need to understand when their instincts are pointing to something if they're having like this feeling on the back of their neck or they're kind of like sensing that there's this weakness in their knee, mm-hmm. it's like all these things are happening with, uh, soccer players, you know, basketball players where like they really, really need to be in touch with their own sensations. Mm-hmm. They have to pay attention to how they're feeling. They have to know whether they can make the jump, whether yes. they, they can slide and make this, this kick, yeah. whether they can actually, um, you know, sprint and make it to the goalpost in time.
0: Yeah. Like taking in the opposing player, how far they are from the goal, like doing all of this like incredibly fast and then making a move.
1: Right. And so they're very much, they're observing the patterns of reality, but they're also very, very in touch with their sensations. Yes. The landscape of their sensations, the strange story of their sensations and what they're pointing to. So it makes, it makes sense that, Athletes are going to be very, very strong sensation types, yeah. but not without intuition, right? And that's the, the Absolutely. Important, important idea here. Yeah. Is that they're also seeing the patterns behind the patterns behind the patterns. And if you can calculate somehow that there's going to be some crazy, like three or four part play that's going to happen, mm-hmm. you can kind of just see it in mm-hmm. your mind. You're seeing this pattern play out, even though if you took a snapshot of the moment, you, you wouldn't see. The play that's about to happen, yeah. but kind of seeing beyond mm-hmm. having that deep vision yes. into uh, the kind of trajectories that are transpiring in front of you.
0: Yeah. I think it's helpful for individuals to look up what the actual breakdowns of the function types are, and Mm -hmm. that you see that there is that dichotomy at play. So if you are an extroverted sensation type, that's your superior function. Immediately on the other side of that axis is your number four inferior, and that's introverted intuition. So Mm. they're opposing each other, and yet it's a part of that Uh, kind of top four functions that you use in everyday life and you recognize that yes you have the preference of utilizing extroverted sensation but behind the scenes a little bit more unconsciously you're also picking up on these implicit patterns you're creating a system of understanding to know what's likely going to happen so that um kind of introverted intuition works in service of your extroverted sensation. So they they don't work without each other. Same mm. thing with thinking and feeling. You're going to have that axis and two functions of thinking and feeling that are in relationship together. So they are walking hand in hand.
1: Yeah. So maybe we could break down sensing and intuition into yeah. their functions. Sure. Yeah. So extroversion and introversion are the attitudes yes. that are going to orient these functions. So we could start with, what would be the most basic one to start with?
0: Start with extroverted sensation. Okay. So S-E. Yeah, S-E. Extroverted sensation. So we mentioned that like extroversion is about movement of energy towards the object or towards the outer world away mm -hmm. from you. So extroverted sensation is looking at that very direct relationship with reality, taking in all of that sensory information as one, uh, is interacting with the environment. It's almost like you're gripped by the world as it presents itself. Mm -hmm. And that makes things incredibly real for you. And it helps you focus on the practical. It helps you focus on what can actually materialize based on what's real, what's touchable, what is usable in this reality that is in front of you there's no second guessing it i can replicate it because here it is i can take a photo and show it to you there's no questioning that this existed so that sense of experiencing a lot of immediate contact with the outer environment that's where the extroversion comes in taking in that information from outer reality
1: right so uh the title the label that we gave extroverted sensation is the pragmatist (laughs) It's one of many titles I think we threw around.
0: It's like a working idea. Working idea,
1: but I think I think it's useful to kind of have these these labels to sort of make sense of like what are we even talking about? So the pragmatist, the notion of extroverted sensation is um, someone maybe who has extroverted sensation as their primary function. They might be someone that you think of as being very practical. Mm. They're very concrete in the way they kind of engage with the world. They want facts. They want to see and touch what's going on. And because of that, they actually know how to navigate through a lot of practical environments very mm-hmm. well. Yeah. They might be very handy. They might, uh, be interested in sort of, uh, managing their house well or yeah. their land. Well, they might be good in a restaurant or something like that where it's, things are very practical. They're very hands on. They're very sort of here and now. And so, we can sort of think of extrovert sensation as a lot of what you are paying attention to, and what a lot of the way that you are oriented is kind of towards like things that are um, external to you. What is going on in the world around you? You're paying attention to the the details of the materials of the the objects. You're seeing the details of the trees. You're seeing the leaves and the twigs and the bark, and the grass around it and you, you kind of are really in touch with the way that things are moving around you and you're very oriented in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as what your next move is going to be, you might be taking in a lot of your surroundings to plan your next move. You might be very in touch with, um, the organization of the concrete world around you in order to decide what is happening here, what should happen to here, what could be improved. The problems maybe that you look to solve, like this is what needs to be solved, might be outside in a very concrete way right in front of you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We went on a hike recently with someone, a friend, well, I considered probably has a really strong extroverted sensation. Mm. I don't know for sure, but there's this tendency to be gripped by everything that we walked by. Yeah oh, look at the shade of of the leaves on this tree. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wonder if it's this kind of pine or that kind of pine. Let's look at the, let's count the leaves because some have like a double leaf and some have one. Look at the color of the rock just as like the sun's hitting it right here. It's Mm -hmm. like every moment is this almost like overwhelming taking in of information and physical stimulus that just fills you up. And I think that's a nice way to like picture what's happening with extroverted sensation. It's just this inpouring of all of that external information that's, like, igniting you in this way and it's exciting, Um, extroverted sensation makes you, I think, have this real sense of aliveness, real depth of connection to Mm -hmm. the environment that you're interacting with and also, like, picking up on things that most other people are not paying attention to. No one really sees reality as accurately, quote-unquote, as extroverted sensation does. Yeah,
1: yeah. and it's important to understand that... uh, if you are let's say a primary extroverted sensation type that a lot of the way that you perceive the world is also how you perceive others
2: Mm.
1: perceive the world (laughs) so if you feel very oriented in a practical concrete Mm. way towards things and you feel really activated by uh what kind of trees are around me and like what kind of rock is this and Uh, what's the geography of this area or um, what can I do around the house or like what kind of projects are there to work on around the house or around the land I own. Mm -hmm. You might think that other people also feel that way. And that's an important part of this is your, your primary function, not always, but often it can be sort of the way that you perceive what is valuable in the world and what others also think is valuable or should think is valuable. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So, Introverted sensation, yeah, is next.
0: So, introversion is less about going outward to understand and going inward. The energy flows towards the subject, towards the person's experience or internal system. So, we're still dealing with practical reality. But introverted sensation is interesting because it's almost—it's almost, it's almost it, what is in the environment evokes what was. Mm. And what that means is that the introverted sensation type is going to pick up, say, that tree in the environment, and it's going to recall an image at a different time in their life where they saw a tree like that. So you're still picking up on sensory information, the color, the way the sun is, the shape of the tree, but it's going to recall to you in that internal system of sensation data and facts all of those experiences you had that were similar to it. So introverted sensation is going incredibly deeply to almost fact check sometimes what is reality based on what reality was before.
1: Right, so the label that we slapped on this one is the routinist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: And again, this is not an exhaustive (laughs) label, but I think it helps to kind of think about like what kind of person is an introverted sensation type? Uh, someone who likes routine, someone who can be kind of conservative
0: mm-hmm. in
1: some sense, just in, in, in the notion of wanting things to kind of not change too much.
0: Yeah. Or not too drastically. Yeah.
1: Not seeing any reason to fix things that aren't broken. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it, the, things are fine the way they are. Why would you change them? I like my routine. Um, someone who is self-contained and kind of self-referential. So this idea of like, bringing up sensations from the past, nostalgia, kind of liking things that you've already experienced and sort of there's this kind of self referential energy there of like, I like what I like
2: mm-hmm. and
1: why do I like it? Because I've experienced it already and I, my sensations that are precious to me. Yeah. So I like feeling these sensations again and again and again mm-hmm. and maybe I don't want to go outside to find new sensations outside metaphorically speaking or phenomenologically speaking. Uh, maybe I don't want to pick up on what's going on around me to find that concrete or that's kind of sort of immediacy of physicality of embodied, uh, embodiedness that like what's, what's going on in me with these sensations I'm feeling now, those are enough. Those are fine. And so it might be someone who, uh, has a lot of nice things that they like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they collect things and they have like a nice collection. They have their house set up well and the way they really like it and they have their routine and they wake up every morning and they like have a certain meal and they like that meal and mm. um, they just have like their, their life is sort of organized in a way that feels good and yeah. it gives them nice sensations and they kind of like
0: it that way. Yeah. There are like these internal stored models that the, introverted sensation type is referring back to which gives them us this level of like certainty and confidence of this is going to work and i think because of that they're incredibly reliable or they can kind of get you out of a pickle by recalling what was what Mm -hmm. did work rather than you know someone who's maybe trying to change things or innovate things and you're moving too quickly. Like the introverted sensation is what recalls us back to those senses of tradition, you might say, that are long held for a reason. Right. Um, it's kind of this like historical uh, function that we have inside of ourselves that allows us to reach deeply into the past, recognize what was true, what was real, what was concrete, what was practical at that time, and hold on to it even now in this moment.
1: Right, so extroversion, you kind of have this notion of spreading thin yeah, in some sense. And that could mean very different things depending on the function. Uh, and introversion as being kind of more concentrated, more narrow, and more deep in your energy. Mm-hmm. So as you said, someone could be really reliable who's a sensing introverted type because they have like a tried and tested way of doing things and they've done it and done it and done it and done it. And they know it works and it works for them and Mm -hmm. and they're very good at what they do in this way, but they might be kind of narrow in that. Like if they're out of their comfort zone, they might be useless all of a sudden where it's like, okay, they've suddenly left the realm of familiarity. They don't know how to adapt. They don't like to adapt. They don't want to be pushed to change. Mm -hmm. But with the thing they know, they're reliable. They're on top of it.
0: I think se. Uh, Extroverted sensation is much more adaptable because it's taking in everything in that present moment that it can kind of maybe shift course or it's not tied to so many things of the past that Mm -hmm. it's feeling stuck and doesn't know what to do. So that kind of shows you how SE can be more expansive or more adaptable in real time uh, while SI is going to go a little bit deeper into that storehouse of all of that sensory information that informs how to deal with the present reality.
1: Right, and again, this this idea of if you are SI, that you're perceiving others as also being SI, mm-hmm. or maybe you respect it when someone else is sort of behaving this way. Yeah, like you'd understand why someone might like the routine, and we band together in liking our routine. And like you don't want to push someone else to change because you wouldn't like that. <laughs> so you kind of understand the ways in which other people might be less adaptable, or they might be kind of more deep into their lifestyle and the way they like things Mm. and you respect that Mm -hmm. because that's how you feel. Isn't that how everyone feels? Yeah. So that's an important way to kind of understand people's value systems in some sense. It's just like, it's just the way they orient towards the world. It's what's real to them.
0: Yeah. It's going to be true for every function and we're probably always going to unfortunately assume other people are like us. Yeah. It's just not true. And, but that's why typology is interesting and also helpful. Yeah. Um, all right. Intuition. Mm -hmm. So, That perception function through sensation is in some ways a little bit easier to understand because it's interacting with reality as it is. It's picking up on all of these things, coming in through the physical stimuli. When Jung was writing Psychological Types and putting the theory to this, there seemed to be some pattern that showed that people were perceiving information coming up with all of these possibilities, abstract ideas, creating patterns, and it was like, where is this coming from? It sure as hell isn't coming from this reality. Mm -hmm. It's not coming from like, you know, the the way the wind is moving or something like this. It's kind of unconscious in nature. And by that, they just basically mean question mark, where is it coming from? We don't Mm -hmm. know. Some realm of the unconscious is generating a vision, an idea, an abstract connection. So intuition often when you look up the definition is going to say that it's perception by way of the unconscious. And that's just to say that there's n- not an exact discernible line of from ig- this exact area to the vision or potential or intuition. Yeah. So it's a little bit murkier. And for this reason, intuition is a little mysterious.
1: Right. So extroverted intuition, the label... This, this one was hard. Honestly, <laughs> I have like three labels for it, but they are the surveyor, mm-hmm. someone who is looking out across the land and yeah. kind of seeing like, what could this be? Mm-hmm. Um, the speculator, mm-hmm. someone who speculates about like, what could this be? What is this worth? What could it become? What is the potential here? Um, and the visionary. Mm. And the visionary is good, but I don't like it because it has such a positive valence <laughs> And it's important like none of these functions are good or bad they have valences where if you are an extroverted intuition you can be a visionary and you can have this power of seeing what is possible of of having these visions Mm -hmm. of like all this amazing stuff that could happen all this potential all these things that could be brought to life where things are going yeah it's like you see where it is now, but you can sense this is going somewhere. It's going to be here in the future. Um, and that can be really, really powerful.
2: Yeah.
1: And so people who are, uh, um, extroverted intuition are the kinds who can see a lot of what's going on around them or in the world Mm -hmm. and understand where it's going.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, or they might have this sense of the possibilities. Think of the possibilities that could happen. It's like, yeah, this would be a really cool thing that uh, my friend group could do or like this business idea. That could be a really good business idea or like maybe buying this house would be a really good investment or um, all these ideas, Mm -hmm. ideas of what could happen, what could be, and it's not so concrete. Yes. It's very theoretical. Yeah. And that's why it can be powerful and like, wow, you you have some vision. You can see you're a prophet. You can see what's going to happen, but it can also have this sort of negative valence of like, you're not present. You're not paying attention to what's concrete. You're not paying attention to the facts. You're not here. You're off in some world of seeing the potential in things. And so you might have all these crazy ideas and you're trying all of them out and then you don't stick with anything because you're not a very practical person. You're not a very concrete person. You're living in, in the future. Or you're living in the, in the theoretical. Mm-hmm. And so someone who is uh, extroverted intuition can be the kind of person who has all these ideas and all these inspirations And maybe doesn't follow through with them. Yes. Gets bored of them quickly. Yeah. Or finds, hmm, this requires practical work. And I don't like the practical world. (laughs) So I have a new idea. But combined with, you know, some like virtuous qualities, it can be someone who like invests incredibly wisely, who builds something amazing, who can run a team of people and Mm -hmm. say, this is what we're building. Mm -hmm. And I can sense that it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Can't explain it right now, but I can lead us there. Right. And, like powerful tech CEOs can be these kind of types where it's like, you're building something that doesn't exist.
0: Extroverted intuitive has an incredibly inspiring, um, enigmatic quality to it because the important thing to keep in mind, what makes this extroverted is that it needs, um, a base in reality to jump off of. So Mm. what, extroverted intuition is doing is the energy is flowing outward from the individual, looking into the environment, looking into people, looking into a situation, into, um, you know, a business market and suddenly being hit with this realm of possibility. And it's so deeply inspiring to them that they pour it outward and many people will know what this vision is because the extroverted intuitive is wanting that to be spoken out into reality in some ways they're going they're not going to hold that intuition inside mm-hmm. people who are dominant extroverted intuitives tend to have quite an energetic personality tend to really draw a lot of energy and individuals to them because they have that leader, visionary, inspiring quality because they have these dynamic, really powerful ideas, but they really struggle to ground that into reality and to hold on for the long haul because being extroverted, being about, um, breath, being about, um, extending deeper or farther rather farther and farther into the intuitive possibilities means that the extroverted intuitive is following the inspiration and when it kind of putters out they're done with it so this type can be known for its flightiness for chasing one dream after the other, having all of these amazing ideas that inspire people and yet nothing actually gets done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like the problem side of extroverted intuition is that it, it can't anchor. It can't organize well. It doesn't want to focus on making all of these things happen. It just wants to be like running at the front of the hell and saying, let's do this, let's do that. And then jumping onto the next ship and saying, let's do this, let's do that. So it's when utilized properly can really create and generate something incredible, but there are some very interesting pitfalls to this type. Uh, Something that you have to be careful of is being overwhelmed by the inspirations. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I've heard from individuals who have this as both a first or second function is that you become almost in what is it called? Like analysis paralysis. You're just like, "Eh," like you're stuck kind of like, you know, what do you actually do now? There's all of these different possibilities. It's almost like, um, there's an explosion of ideas, sometimes it's what extroversion, extroverted intuition called N.E. It'll be a little bit easier. What N.E. feels like this explosion of possibility and all of that energy can sometimes make it really difficult to know which path should I actually follow? Or maybe just feeling overwhelmed by all of the different possibilities in front of you.
1: Right. If you're someone who's creative, definitely. And you're committed to your craft, or at least if you've tried, um, dabbling a lot of creative projects, you could understand how being, uh, any extrovert intuition, um, could result in just ideas and ideas and ideas and ideas. And you can be overwhelmed as you're saying, overwhelmed by the ideas how do I make them practical reality? Mm-hmm. How do I do the work that brings them into fruition? Because you have so many ideas and that's being creative can be the challenge of somehow discarding all these ideas you're having in favor of doing the actual practical work Yeah, and finding that balance of like, okay, I'm like, God, all these crazy plans, all these crazy visions but I have to choose one (laughs) and that's like why an any can be so powerful if they're also paired with someone who's very practical. Yes. It's like I, you've, you've got the visions. I've got the means like together we can make lots of money.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good segue into introverted intuition because while the, any function goes for that expansion, The NI, introverted intuitive function, is going for depth and it wants to condense all of those potentials, the patterns it sends. It's almost like it's building these internal systems of patterns and possibilities that grow more deeply over time and get stronger and stronger based on all of this implicit information, symbolic understanding, and it's getting strengthened and it's starting to take shape and it's going to form. And every time it's kind of going out into the world, it might be taking things in, yet that's being funneled into that internal system of possibility that's leading to this incredible ability to see into a possibility to have an intuition, uh, to have a vision yet then to have it actually be organized enough for it to, to come alive.
1: Yeah. The, the label slapped on this is the dreamer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think dreamer is a good, a good descriptor because it doesn't necessarily, um, evoke positivity or negativity. So someone who dreams, someone who can see these possibilities someone who's lost in a kind of story a kind of trajectory that often is very uh self-contained or concentrated or very deep it's very Mm -hmm. Mm self-referential so this idea of like i have this vision and what is it based on it's based on i don't know the internal vision i can feel it (laughs) i can see it it's like what are you paying attention to in the environment that's like telling you this is true it's like I'm not paying attention to the environment. I'm paying attention to my internal world. And the internal world tells me this is going to happen and I am going to do it. It's like, what is that based on? It's like, it's based on my intuition. This very concentrated sort of narrow. You might even say like, it can be kind of like tunnel vision sometimes. Mm, Like I am fixated on this story that I am living or that maybe we are living together, but like, this is where it's going. Yeah. Here's the tunnel we're traveling through. Yeah. Here's yeah. the gateway we're walking through. Yes. That can be kind of sort of the dreamer. Um, but you can understand how this could be negative as well as someone who is a dreamer. It's like, you're living in your dreams, man. It's like, you don't know what's real anymore and you need to come back down to earth. You need to get realistic. You're caught up in your poetry or your, your art or your stupid podcast and you need to come back down to reality because you're just like lost in dream world. You're like, you're such a romantic, you're such an artist. You're so aloof that like, sometimes you like might go all day without even eating because you're, you're, you don't have that sensation of like here now taking care of the here and now physical tangible concrete stuff i'm like lost in my dream mm. and i forgot to eat today yeah and because you've had i'm not that paying attention to my body
0: for a long time yeah it's nothing new yeah that's what i think it really feels like and it's hard to describe fully what the ni vision is but it exists as you said inside it's like this powerful internal image well mm. i think ne Of course, it feels like something that's kind of coming from them in a way. But still, it's like the image really exists outside. It's like the NE individual saw the vision kind of pop up in the external environment and then is like, look at this, look at this. Oh, my God, this is so cool, everybody. And NI is just cultivating like this deep inner fire. And it's when you ask an NI person to describe why they have that vision or why they consider that this possibility is a truth. It's like, look, just trust me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I, 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 Aaron and I are both dominant extroverted, I mean, introverted intuitives. So I think we think, well,
1: we're pretty sure.
0: Yeah, we're pretty sure. Um, but I have these deep inner visions of what could be, and there's kind of some practical external data that's informing that, but the reality is, and I've always been this way, that there's just this deep inner feeling of what's coming next or what should come next or what could be. That's hard for me to pinpoint step-by-step why that's going to happen or if it will, but there's just that deep inner sense, the driving force. And it's, it's always something I feel is very real, very, uh, imbued with meaning and this like deep beauty and truth. And is not something I want to hold for myself. Often it has to do with almost like the becoming of myself and the becoming of others. Um, or even like the, the kind of beauty and potential that I see sort of interwoven in each individual's being that's part of that own just intuitive potential that I think just exists everywhere. Right. And, And sometimes it's hard to really explain why I think those things Mm -hmm. or why I intuit those things, but it's, it's, it's unshakable.
1: Yeah. And again, there can be kind of that perception that if you are an NI person that others are also NI Mm -hmm. and so some, not, not all, but some NI types, introverted intuition types, um, they might be fascinated with self-improvement or like getting somewhere or becoming that might be that they have this sort of individuation instinct in some sense. And that sounds like, you know, really positive thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's really great, but it could also be kind of like, you might be overly fixated on this idea of like becoming, 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 and you might see others also as like you can become yeah, and you can become and you can become. So that's sort of like this introverted, um, Aspect can also kind of have this sort of individualistic aspect as well. Mm-hmm. It's like N E is like the world can become, yeah, these projects right. can become, yeah. the business can right. become, the group can become. Um, yeah. But N I is a little more like I can become, yeah. and you can become, yeah. and you can become, and like you should reach your full potential, mm. and you should reach your full potential. Yeah. And that can be kind of a powerful thing. Yes, you can it, be someone who heals yes. and lifts people up, yeah. but it can also be, uh, you know, something that you overly fixate on, yeah. which is like, you're not reaching your potential. Yes, <laughs> And that can be, you know, that can be a problem.
0: Yeah. Cause people don't exist in a reality of potential yeah. or at least in a sense of potential defined in this way. And I think that's been a point of tension, but also a real cornerstone and defining quality of the work that you and I do. It's mm-hmm. like, what inspires us is who you could become. Yeah. The version of yourself that's unfolding in front of you and supporting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and NI's and got a real sense of what that is and an ability to cultivate it in a way that's heavy but deeply meaningful.
1: Yeah. So we have a little bit of time left. I think it might be fun to just kind of like try and play with some examples of these four types interacting. Okay. We didn't, we didn't talk about this, but we, we have, we've talked about it in the past, and you can we can argue about this a little bit because we might <laughs> not agree. But the idea of four different people
0: mm-hmm. with
1: let's say they're sort of defined by these four functions their in primary, a very stereotypical, in a very way. extreme, very extreme, very unrealistic way. Yeah. But they're all at an art show and they're mm-hmm. looking at a painting. Yeah. Each one of them walks by <laughs> a painting they have four different responses based on their functions, sure. based on their function attitudes, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so N-E, extroverted, intu- sorry, extroverted intuition, yeah. Um, they pick up on sort of the style of the painting. They envision like where the painting might go, how it might have became, what the artist might have done. Uh, they could see how a friend might come to see the painting and learn something or maybe how the painting might be purchased and placed somewhere where it could uh, have the, the greatest artistic effect on people
0: i could also see this type being like imagine this you get on etsy you start putting your paintings up like you know like painting the vision of the art business for That's their good. friend yeah. just like <laughs> imagine yeah. how we could like create this thing and the person's like i don't know i just kind of wanted to put my art up in this gallery and they're like no 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 no, no. like we'll get you up on you know like sure. this gallery and yeah. just like all of these interesting ideas just like right. flowing 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 and it's like one idea and one idea it's like wait which one it's like i don't know any of them it doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know any it's just like that explosion of possibility kind of flowing from what they picked up in the picture in the art
1: yeah okay introverted intuition mm-hmm. they walk past the painting and it evokes a story to them they mm. kind of get lost in the world of the painting almost like they're walking through a gateway <laughs> and they begin to sort of envision what does the painting mean what is the sort of uh the energy that it's sort of evoking right where is it going mm. what is the what is the sort of story of the painter mm. and what were they thinking as they yeah. made this yeah, and well, like <laughs> um what was the next painting they did and the Mm. next painting after that. And there's Mm. kind of like this narrow sort of traveling through a gateway kind of thing of looking deeply into the painting and sort of evoking all this sort of magic and story from it.
0: Yeah. And also maybe even getting their own kind of images or symbols of like connecting, you know, where the the painter was at that time and what they were experiencing to this greater dynamic, interesting story.
1: Extroverted sensing, they walk past the painting and they focus on the colors, Mm. the textures, they focus on the brush strokes themselves. They're very interested in what were the concrete steps or motions that Mm. created the painting. They might walk closer and they like look at the individual brush strokes and they're like, hmm, interesting. Maybe they sort of think about how did they get these colors. What's the style here? Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Is it acrylic paint?
1: Yeah, Yeah. what kind of paint is it? What's the canvas like? How big is the canvas? Uh, All kinds of very concrete, tangible things you can touch and see about the painting, Mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe like the deeper meaning or the evoked story of getting lost in the painting, Mm -hmm. like the intuition, the the intuitive might happen. Mm -hmm. All right, introverted sensation. So this person walks past the painting and they suddenly feel reminded of something from their past Mm. or it brings up a feeling of like, ah, I remember the last time I looked at a painting or the last time I was at an art show and they kind of enjoy that, that, that pleasant feeling of like "Mm, art. (laughs) That's that's nice. (laughs) Or maybe the painting is of like, uh, a couple, like, in a field and Mm -hmm. they're like, they're reminded of like their relationship or maybe there's some pain there of like, like my, my girlfriend, she left me and like, now I'm like sort of thinking about like that. And there's sort of this kind of nostalgic, this kind of very sensation oriented, Mm -hmm. the kind of like feelings of like warmth and pleasantness or sort of coldness associated with the painting. They're not really walking through it on like a magical journey as much as they're kind of being brought back to their internal world Mm -hmm. over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. In a very embodied way. They might even recall those sensations that were tied to that time or, you know, that my, my mother was wearing this when that happened. It reminds me of that. And they're just sort of taken back to that, to that space. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Here's another example. This is, uh, these types of, uh, they're creating a painting themselves okay. they're actually attempting to paint okay okay <laughs> extroverted intuition they're attempting something sort of innovative yes. or new yes. or revolutionary with painting it's just like, be,
0: like really weird i'm gonna
1: try like this new <laughs> style
0: i'm gonna paint with my toes
1: like i'll paint with my toes God like only only body parts used to paint with like no only paintbrushes only my
0: elbows yeah. <laughs> dipped in right paint. it's
1: like this will be interesting no <laughs> one's ever done this before like think of the new style the, the new fad that can be created by doing this um right Int- introverted intuition and i uh maybe they paint something that's very romantic mm. something that like that they think of some story that they find very compelling and they just they just sort of paint, and they just sort of maybe uh, feel it out. They sort of intuit some sort of uh, some magical symbol, mm. or maybe some some sort of like mythological feeling, um, scene of some kind, or maybe something like very abstract and weird, but like it feels like very powerful to them. Yeah, that they're making. Maybe they're not focusing on how it's being done or like the style of it, mm-hmm. as most they're just sort of like. Uh, intuiting you could say something
0: or, or also maybe even like trying to impart a kind of energy with the painting itself. Mm. I don't know how to explain this, but like I feel like the art of the introverted intuitive is often trying to evoke that story, which is deep within them or that symbol, which is deep within them so that it invokes it in other people too. Mm-hmm. So they might be trying to just tap into that, that depth of space and, And bring up that own internal story, that symbolic beauty, and kind of paint it out.
1: Hmm. All right. Extroverted sensation. They paint something that's photorealistic. Yeah. They see something to the side. Maybe it's like a dog or like a barn or a tree. And Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm going to try and paint that as realistically as possible. Yes, yes. And so they're like very focused on like a concrete object around them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's what art is, right? You just copy reality or some sense mm. or or take something that you can see and that's what you put on paper mm-hmm. and you try to make it like very concrete. It's not very abstract. It's not very impressionistic. It's yeah. just like very tangible. Yes. All right. Uh introverted sensation. Maybe this is someone who paints how they know. They're just very familiar with one way of painting. And maybe they've painted many times before. And they have one way that they like to paint Or maybe they only paint An apple And they just paint apples over and over And over again
0: I could also see The introverted sensation type Painting something Realistic like Mm -hmm. the barn But there seems to be This notion that when you look at it Like it's through a different lens Like it's not reality as it is It's almost like a distortion of reality or maybe mm-hmm. like it, it looks so realistic but like the colors are kind of in an interesting way or that the the angle of it mm-hmm. you know what i mean like looking at reality through this different lens rather than sc wanting it to be like the actual photo itself mm. so si kind of taking in that practical concrete information but showing it through their own impression
1: Okay, well, those examples may or may not be helpful. I'm not sure if Alyssa even agrees with them. She's kind of giving me this weird eye as, as we go over these. Uh, Dr. John Bb will be at the STOA speaking with us on February 24th mm-hmm. at 2 p.m. Eastern time. It's a free event. He will talk much more. Well, he doesn't have much time, but still he's a, he's an expert on this. We're not. And so he's going to get into his eight function model on typology, and it should be really interesting So you can RSVP at thestoa.ca. It's free, and we hope to see you there. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow org.
0: Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Head over to goldenshadow.org to submit your dream for possible interpretation on a future episode.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Until next time.